Throughout the season of Lent and into the next week, Alec and I have been preaching on the verse from Mark where the Father says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Taking each week a different thing we all might wrestle with, a different disbelief we might struggle to name out loud, we have been reflecting upon these in light of the scripture, in light of our faith. So today, this week we ask, is Holy Week necessary? And we turn to the reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. Let us listen once more for the word of God among us. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 35 years ago this week, on March 23, 1980, the El Salvadorian priest and Archbishop Oscar Romero stood before a congregation and pleaded with passion, saying, in the name of the Lord, put down your weapons, stop the repression. When he said these words to his congregation, he knew what he was doing. He was saying words against government-backed militias that were gunning down people in the streets. Oscar Romero knew that in saying these words and standing on behalf of the El Salvadorian citizens, he knew where he was heading. When he decided to preach against the military actions, when he became convicted that he was called to serve the impoverished and oppressed citizens of El Salvador, He knew where he was heading. And on March 24th, 35 years ago last Tuesday, after saying mass in a small hospital chapel of a a cancer hospital, Oscar Romero was assassinated by a shotgun fired from the back of the room. Romero knew that this was where he was heading He had watched a friend die for proclaiming similar theological statements. Romero knew that to stand up to the government's militias to declare that God weeps with those who are dying in the streets meant putting his own body in the crossfire. Oscar Romero was not always of this belief. For decades, he did not push the political status quo. He spent a lot of time wrestling with his own spiritual challenges, struggling with perfectionism and obsessive compulsiveness, always feeling like he was failing to be the most spiritual priest he could be. Yet over time, through prayer and reflection, Romero realized that he needed to follow Christ beyond the walls and confines of his own spirituality and his own church. 
Romero came to believe that he had to follow Christ out into the streets, out among the crowds, out among the people who would both exalt and assassinate him. Archbishop Romero was a human being with strengths and weaknesses like many of us. Yet it is important to remember his story, especially this week on the 35th anniversary of the priest's death and on this day of Palm Sunday, where we watch Jesus go through the gates and we have to decide how far we are willing to follow him. Today is the day we watch Jesus ride into the city, ushered through the gates by our palms and our cheers. It is a day of glorious music, of downtown parades, of grand proclamations. But Jesus won't stop here. What happens next in the life of the church, as you have heard, is called Holy Week. And we have many activities this week, including a panel around faith and race here in Richmond, here on Wednesday. And on Thursday, we join with Ebenezer Baptist for a Monday Thursday service. Both of us long-time churches in downtown in Richmond, but so often both of us having been divided by issues of geography and race and class. On Friday, we have a prayer walk around downtown where we take a mile and stop and pray around the city. All of these activities are part of Holy Week as we acknowledge it within this congregation and with Christians all around the world. But it must be acknowledged that some parts of the Protestant church do not spend time celebrating Holy Week. The reasons start as theological. After all, we are people of the resurrection, people who live into the promises of Easter. We don't dwell on our sin because we are called to live into resurrection hope. This is one of the reasons for avoiding Holy Week. Another reason is emotional. We might not want to be brought low by hearing such things and stories about death and suffering. We feel we have enough of it in our life as it is. Or this week, particularly on the 150th anniversary of the fall of Richmond, we don't want to be reminded about how this church that we love was intertwined with issues of slavery and segregation. In recent years, the problem with Holy Week might simply just be about scheduling. We are too busy and it is hard to come back during the week. We've reserved Sunday morning for church, And we are happy to give that time each week, or most of the time, we are happy. But then we would rather just keep that schedule and wait until next Sunday to visit again. So in light of our theology, our emotions, and our busy lives, we might find ourselves asking, is Holy Week actually necessary? Why can't we just return with the trumpets and the celebrations? Return when we remember how we are made new by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After all, that celebration is important and true to our life of faith. Well, as you can imagine, my answer to the question, is Holy Week necessary, is yes. Yes, even as people who believe in the promise of Easter Holy Week is important. Why? Because the events of Holy Week 
the ones that take us deeper into the city, deeper into the heart of suffering, this is where Jesus himself is headed. We can see this in our text today. Jesus does not stay at the gates, at the thresholds of a claim. He is going to ride deeper into the city, into the heart of religious and political oppression. Jesus is going to show us things we do not want to see and expose places of our own darkness where we don't want to go. The events that happened on that holy week long ago still happen in some way. Today, we do not have to look very far to find reminders of political and religious forces still grinding some people to death. In the last 150 years, we can see the way the scriptures have still been used to justify all sorts of unchristlike causes. And 35 years ago, Oscar Romero's own story reveals how people still need to hear that God is among them, even if the powers that be seem to want to snuff them out. So as we wave our branches, do we choose to stay at the gate cheering? Or do we follow Christ deeper and deeper into the city? In the scripture passage today, people start cheering for the king of Israel and Jesus stops in the middle of their cheers to go find a donkey. He doesn't want the crowds to get the wrong idea. He wants them to realize what kind of king he will be. As Ginger mentioned, he is not a king on a war horse riding forth to send troops into battle. Jesus is the king who will ride forth and in a few days become a prisoner in a pit. On our trip to Israel in January, a group of us pastors visited a deep cavern carved into limestone rock, a pit which would have served as a jail cell about 2,000 years ago. Such pits were typical to hold prisoners as they awaited trial or sentencing. This is just this was just the sort of place where Jesus might have been held the night of his arrest, through the night, waiting, waiting for morning. And while it might not be the exact place of his imprisonment, we can be there and imagine that this is the type of place where Jesus would have been held, this pit. And so, in following in Christ's footsteps on that January morning, our group went down the stone stairs into the lantern-lit dark. The walls around us were sheer stone, and there was an opening high above that if you looked up, you could see strangers' faces looking down, waiting their turn to descend. While we were down there in that pit, we read the words of Psalm 130, which says, out of the depths I cry to you. It was a chilling and moving experience. To stand in such a pit is to realize how wrong religious re leaders are when they talk about God being on high, some heavenly deity who shouts down, this is your punishment, go down into that pit. The idea of this kind of God is wrong, for indeed, 
when bad things happen, like a plane being sent into a cliff, or a neighbor gunned down in the street, or even a loved one eaten away by cancer, God is not standing over us saying, go down there, go down there into that pit for your own good. It is precisely in that moment, in the pit of our own pain and suffering, when we look around and hear God saying over and over again, I am here, I am here, I am here. Friends, this is where Jesus is heading this week. He is heading towards that pit. And he will go beyond, beyond the cross, beyond the grave, into new life, and we can follow him there. But first, he is riding towards that pit. We might not want to follow. Who in their right mind would want to follow? Who wants to sit with our own brokenness, our own suffering? Who wants to sit with our own present day and our history We just want to show up on Sunday for the resurrection and the forgiveness and the new life that we are promised. We want to stop at the celebratory palm-waving part. But Jesus does not stop there. Jesus rides on. He rides into the city, into the heart of despair. And we can see how, through people like Oscar Romero and others, how people have chosen to follow him. In a more recent news story, we can see how a person like Antoinette Tuff chose to believe that God was with her in a pit of despair and fear. Perhaps you remember the news story of Antoinette Tuff from about a year and a half ago. Tuff was working at her school in Decatur, Georgia. She was the person at the front desk when a man showed up with 500 rounds of ammunition. He was off his medication and declaring that he was going to shoot up the school. He said he just wanted to die. No lives were lost that day. And this is due almost completely to Tuff's reaction. She did not yell or She started praying inside, and she got a coded message to her colleagues telling them a gunman was in the school. And then she started talking to the man. She called him baby and said things like, I can see you're hurting. We all go through something. She said, I love you several times. Over and over again, Antoinette Tuff kept connecting with this man. She shared how hard it was when her own husband left and she had to raise her child on her own. She asked him to put down his weapons. She continued to talk to him, promising to stay with him, promising to go out with him to meet the police, to make sure he stayed safe. Tuff, through her words and actions, looked into the possibility of heart-rending violence. She faced the man who had promised to shoot her, and she did not turn away. She continued to reach out, to connect, to empathize with him. 
Toth climbed down into the pit of this man's raging despair, and she said, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Afterwards, in interviews, Tuff admitted that she had never been so scared in all her life. She said she tried to take some words from her pastor and pray on the inside throughout the conversation, anchoring herself in God's presence. In those moments, she chose to believe that God was there with her in the terror, believing as if Christ was right next to her, facing this gunman, facing this gunman that was still yet unbelievably, amazingly, a child of God. You and I know that this situation does not unfold this way very often. Too often when guns go into schools, the story ends much more tragically. But on this particular day, with a man in the pit of mental despair, with 500 rounds of ammunition at his hand, no lives were lost. On this particular day, Antoinette Tuff reached out across that dark pit and talked to the man as if he wasn't alone, as if she was there with him, as if Christ was there with him. Friends, this is why we walk through Holy Week. Christ does not stay on the mountaintop. Christ goes down into the pit. God does not stay in the heavens. God is hung on the cross. Perhaps we need this reminder more some years than others. But we must remember that when we step through the gates, and go deeper into the city, we are following where Jesus is going. And when new life comes, when Easter arrives, when we see light on the horizon, we understand once more what it means to say, God is with us. We understand once more what it means to hear the words, Father, forgive them we understand once more what it means to say nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, Jesus Christ is riding through the gates and into the heart of the city and into the pit of despair. Oscar Romero lived as if this was true. Antoinette Tuff lived as if this were true. How now shall we live? Let us pray. Lord, this is your day, and we are your people, and this is your world. Remind us once again that you are with us in the midst of all that comes. You are drawing us deeper into your heart deeper into the knowledge that you are with us no matter where we go. Teach us to follow you, Lord. Teach us to follow you now. Amen.